0: Hi, I'm Joe Quirk. Welcome to the Blue Frontiers podcast about all my favorite things, seasteading, the environment, special economic zones, and innovation in science, technology, governance, and society itself. Today we have Bart Rofin. If a picture is worth a thousand words, a design is worth a thousand pictures. Check that out. Bart oversaw and led the construction of the floating pavilion in Rotterdam and he's the lead designer for Blue Frontier Seasteads. Are Seasteads better than sustainable? Can Seasteads restore the ocean environment? Let's ask the engineer.
1: Hello Seasteaders! I'm here with architect Bart Ruffen, part of the Blue21 team who are designing the floating island project in French Polynesia, and who also designed the Rotterdam Floating Pavilion. How are you, Bart? Fine, thanks. <laughs> Thank you very much for accepting doing this podcast. It's amazing to be here. Uh, so I've been in the Netherlands for a few weeks now and I've been working at your office every every day since I'm here. And th- if there's something that I've noticed is that there is a lot of concern in each one of your conversations about the environment and well you are an architecture firm that works with water so why don't we start with you telling us what makes Netherlands and water so well connected
2: yeah so we've had a long history um, uh, fighting water but also uh, taking uh, everything that the water has to offer to us and uh, like we um basically our whole political system uh, comes from our relation to the water. Like people had to make agreements together, like how to deal with um, floods and uh, like it, it doesn't really work if one person uh, defends himself, but his neighbors do not. So the whole uh, political system that we have today arose from the fact that we had to work together to uh, deal with uh, water challenges
1: and what sort of water challenges do you have here in the netherlands
2: yeah so actually the netherlands is basically a swamp
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it,
2: it used to flood uh-huh. like every every couple of years the whole country would sort of uh, flood and, oh, really? uh, and then they they started building some dikes to make it more safe for people to live in uh, but there was one really big um flood that happened uh like seventy years ago in the okay. uh, in the fifties
1: so there's people alive who lived it yeah
2: still. yeah people that that still remember uh, this this uh catastrophic event where where a large part of the country was completely flooded and oh. then they they knew that they had to take some serious measures to to make it much safer for uh, for the population, and they build some huge structures to uh, yeah protect uh, the land. And but over the the years, the 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 past uh, decades, uh, we've we've also um, got more information about the future, like that there are things changing at the moment, and uh, that there may be uh, quite a uh, challenge for the future, uh, since the sea level is is rising, and and recent uh, research confirms that it's not only uh, rising, but it's actually accelerating. So the the rise yeah. of the sea level is accelerating, and and the predictions are are anywhere between. 50 centimetres and four metres that we will have to deal deal (laughs) with by the end of this century. So, and scientists are still figuring out what it's going to be and for a large part it depends actually on what we are doing today to contain it, to make sure that it doesn't get much worse and to to minimize our uh, co2 emissions and make sure that the temperature doesn't doesn't rise more Uh,
1: what does um some people say that uh, you've probably heard this before some people say that global warming doesn't exist it's not taking place and that sea level rise and change of temperature on earth is just part of the natural cycle of earth
2: yeah so the um in in people say that yeah
1: but what's your response to that
2: yeah so in in paris uh (laughs) like i think 194 countries Uh like uh, (laughs) a huge part of of the world yes they all signed a uh, a Commitment together, um, because they they believe this is a real threat. Yes. Like like no one knows all the details, but at least many people agree. Also in the scientific community, like the yes. the vast majority, like millions of scientists, they uh, actually um, b- well not only believe but they they yeah. have enough evidence. To, to sustain the claim that, that it is actually happening and also that it's connected to uh, yeah, the, the influence of, of humans on the, on the environment.
1: Last week, you were telling me that not only it's accelerating, but also it's one of the reasons why we are discovering that it's accelerating because every time there is a new finding that finds yeah. <laughs> that the previous studies didn't take one factor into account. And then comes a new story, and it builds on it.
2: Yeah, yeah. So the the scientific system is about making claims that you can actually prove. So you need to be conservative in a certain sense to make sure that you're not uh, over exaggerating things. Yes. Like there was a scientist, uh, a former uh, NASA. person called Hansen, um, and he he made this uh, paper written together with many scientists that that predicts that sea level rise could be up to four or five meters.
0: That's
2: underworld. And he was wow. Um, oh. uh, that earned him the name of being an alarmist, like oh. like uh, <laughs> you're just I yeah. Mean. So if if you over exaggerate, you you will soon. Um, deal with the the consequences (laughs) and and so scientists have been conservative but if you put the science of the past uh, decades together then each year there's a bit of additional uh, sea level rise that that is being predicted like it it hasn't become much less Mm -hmm. but only more and more so the more research people uh, do the more um, the pr- prediction uh, seems to rise, so mm.
0: yeah.
1: So that's why you were saying that it would be really interesting to measure what is the augmentation between one research and the other one published, and then trace a trajectory and yeah, calculate what, where what we... <laughs> is the final trajectory if we trace
2: all um, these uh, researchers' uh, wow. predictions. Yeah.
1: So, but what is the the relation between sea level rise and global warming? And yeah. what do fossil fuels have to do? Because a lot of people say, okay, let's, uh, yeah, what is the connection?
2: Yeah, so so the basic science behind it, it, it is quite uh, complicated, but the basic science is that um, when you um, burn fossil fuels, yes. they will produce greenhouse gases. The greenhouse gases will be in the atmosphere and uh, keeping some of the sun uh, some of the heat of the sun in the atmosphere so in within the planet Um, and that makes the temperature rise and as the temperature rises the water expands why so water um, has certain uh, physical properties in which uh, if it heats up then it expands and expands like until it becomes a gas and expands even more
1: okay so that, yeah so if you have a cube of ice it's this desi- it can fit on my here on my hand if i heat it up then the water expands and also the molecules
2: yeah so once yes. it's um, a, a liquid yeah uh, if you heat it up from zero degrees up to 20 or, or 30 degrees it, it will keep expanding okay. and that's what it does in the ocean so basically there's a larger volume of water in the same oceans
0: okay. and there are
2: some other effects such as the, the mass of the water also sits on the, the surface of the planet and it actually makes the planet uh, warp or morph a little bit because of the weight so um, because the uh, glaciers um, are, are melting, some of the mass uh, is lifted off of that uh, continent yes. and then it, it, it moves uh, into the water where mass is added. So also the planet is actually oh. deforming a little bit and that also leads to all sorts of uh, effects that, that, um, that some places will get a bit more uh, sea level rise than other places.
1: Yes, the, fac- the Pacific for example.
2: Yeah, that's one of the, the places where um, yeah, where yeah. they measured uh, more, uh, a larger uh, rise in sea level than some other places. But also in the US there are some places that that actually have
1: extremely yeah.
2: high levels of uh, sea level rise compared to the rest of the world.
1: Miami, Miami in yeah. 100 yeah. years, and a lot of people don't know this, but yeah. Miami will also suffer from flooding.
2: Yeah, definitely. So
1: Okay, so how does floating infrastructure, floating houses, floating development, systems play a role? Yeah, so in this equation,
2: we we started this uh, company Blue21 uh, about ten years ago, and um, one of the initial thoughts was um, to provide safe places to to live and 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 to work for people uh, for the coming uh, century, basically. So. Um, in the Netherlands, we have a huge uh, challenge when it comes to water. We, we will maintain our dikes for the coming decades. and But there will be a point where it becomes very um, expensive to keep raising them. So oh, that, yeah.
1: I see. And
2: sea level rise is not going to um, stop. Like oh. um, in uh, in the year 2100... They make all the predictions oh. for that year, but actually after that, it will just continue and it might be continuing very rapidly. Wow. So, um, in, in the Netherlands, there's already a strategy to uh, make sure that you can um, keep some water in. So, if you have a, a large uh, rainfall, you cannot send everything away so quickly, so a lot of floods actually happen because of water that that cannot be sent into the sea soon enough. And oh. So we actually try to reserve spaces for water uh, in the in the country, and and that's one of the first uh, places where we saw floating uh, neighborhoods could have a have a huge benefit. So you you still have place to put water but yeah. you can also use it to, uh, to live or to, to build certain uh, infrastructure. And other, when we got a bit further in, in the thinking process, we, we also noticed there's a lot of uh, rapidly growing uh, cities yes. that are very cramped for space, like, like the, the, the land is becoming too expensive for people to, to buy, and actually, a lot of people, they still want to be close to the cities yes. for, for work, yeah. And the only place they can live in is like floodplains, oh. where, where they're threatened by, by water.
1: I th- I and yeah. this is in the Netherlands?
2: No, this is, uh, for example, in um, uh, Jakarta or yes. in Manila. or. Um, oh. So there there's many cities around the world where... People are forced into the most dangerous areas of, of the land because they want to be close to the city. And and there's not enough space for everybody. So we thought that this this technology could actually help cities expand across the the border between land and water to, to expand oh. into the uh, coast. Um, and yeah,
1: so floating can be a way of extending the territory of a city.
2: Yeah, yeah. So cities are already doing this. Like it's not uh, new uh, information. Like, but what they are doing now is basically adding more land uh, to oh, to the city. So they basically oh, put a lot of yes, sand yes. Uh, near the city to yeah reclaim
1: uh-huh, the land water. Reclamation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but land reclamation has very particular. Um, environmental implications yeah, that definitely. are not so good, right? Yeah,
2: so what what has happened in in some places, uh, uh, for example, in, the, in in Dubai, they they yes. made a lot of, uh, but but the consequences for the ecosystem were quite severe, like uh, really. Yeah, there's um, coral reefs that that are just oh, be- being covered no. in in sand, and and it's not it's certainly land reclamation is not the the best way to mm. to to expand, like, and that actually inspired us to come up with a new type of of um, expansion yes. that leaves the ecosystem in place. And I think that's one of the things that we're trying to to prove in in French Polynesia whether it's uh, possible to actually live in um, symbiosis with with the existing environment. Yes. And, It would be the first of its kind in in the whole world if if we can actually prove that a uh, human uh, uh, Human human-made system yeah a human-made system can coexist with with a uh, environmental with a ecosystem i love that yeah so Uh, um actually yeah 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 it's 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 really uh valuable because um we shouldn't underestimate the the influence that humans have on this planet. No. Like Like in, in 80 or 90% yeah. of all the land, we have a, a certain influence. And yes. so it's no longer um, enough to try and preserve those small patches uh-huh. <laughs> of, of ecosystems that uh-huh. are still left. That's yeah. simply not enough. We need to integrate uh, integrate it in, in our um, human domains and, and make sure that, that
0: yes.
2: if if humans claim an area that it doesn't mean that nothing else can live there. That's, that's basically what we have been doing <laughs> uh, the past.
1: That is that what has, we've done, yeah, yeah. with the exception of dogs and cats.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. and maybe some pigeons. Like yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah.
1: You've actually mentioned some new trends in architecture where they try to do this, they try to integrate other species into the urban human ecosystem.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, so there's so an
1: artist who makes tours.
2: Yeah, there's there. <laughs> it it's certainly gaining more uh, more interest and and uh, some architects are already trying to find ways of of incorporating habitats for for other species in in their designs and like. It, it used to be um, common sense to make sure no other species would be yes. uh, have, having the opportunity to live there because they might um, uh, have a, a negative uh, influence <laughs> for people but actually nowadays,
1: any, any real
0: reason. Yeah, so <laughs> na-
2: nowadays it there's a uh, transition like like architects and urban planners are, are trying to actually include this in in the designs. Yeah.
1: I read that you I read in something you wrote the concept of eco-legislation.
2: Um yeah. As a yeah. metaphor. Yeah.
1: Of including um the whole uh, systems ecology into the design of the floating island project.
2: Yeah, so uh I believe that um a a floating island has a responsibility and we blue frontiers is basically looking for a um a host nation that that gives them space for a certain period of time to develop this this concept develop floating uh, structures and um so what what was um um, agreed with the um, uh, with the government is that one of the conditions should be that um, the the ecosystem yes. doesn't have any any uh, impacts. Yes. But okay. actually, we want to go a step further. We want to uh, make sure that um, the the ecosystem is going to be the same or better. Like, like we um, want to make sure that the presence of, of this island would have a benefit for our ecosystems. And um, I think this, this is the only way that, that we can start up this, this, this new technology. If we manage to prove that it actually can have a positive impact that it could be like a, a guardian of the, yes. the reefs that, that are very essential yes. uh, to the to the uh, not only uh, for the ecosystems but actually for the survival of, of the islands. Yes, the, the islands
1: the, themselves.
2: Yeah, mm. the the, the yeah. making sure that the, the reefs uh, flourish. That's that's the basic line of defense against um, waves against uh, floods. So it's it's very important that this um, uh, remains in place, and at the moment it's actually being threatened. Like all over the world, yes, coral reefs are being threatened by uh, climate change, and climate change also brings another um, aspects, which which is uh, ocean acidification. So yeah. the the CO2 Actually makes the, the seas a little bit more acidic. Yes.
0: Okay.
2: And the uh, corals are actually um, dependent on um, alkalinity, which is the opposite,
1: okay. to to build
2: their structures. So.
1: So that's why they are bleaching.
2: Yes. And then that's not the bleaching is actually because of the heat.
0: Yeah. So oh, the heat makes okay. them bleach
2: because. Um, Bleaching is uh, they basically get get rid of the algae yes there's a little algae in corals that feeds it, <laughs> um, and when it heats up, it, the algae produces so rapidly that oh. it uh, suffocates the, the so they basically expel the algae to protect themselves from oh. from uh, and they die. No, they don't die, so, so they expel them
0: yes
2: in the, if they bleach. And they can survive for a certain period of time while oh. they are bleached but if it takes too long then they they become so stressed out that they might not recover so that's happened if, if there's a very long heat uh, wave going on then they might not recover from it
1: do you think there's a turning back point or there's nothing we can do
2: uh, yeah so um, one of the things that we can um, we can test is whether we whether this um, uh, floating islands actually creates additional habitats places for them to uh yeah uh, to
1: little species little fish
2: yeah and and but but also one of the uh one researcher actually mentioned that it, it would be best for um, the Great Barrier Reef, yes, if it would be covered from the sun, not completely, but if it would be covered to make sure that there's a bit less sun
0: yes. going
2: into the water and heating up the water. So if you could sort of cover oh, wow. the the Great Barrier Reef with some uh, yeah solar canopies or something, yes. it it would actually help protect oh, with the, some sea states or sea sea. Yeah, so, so because we we don't want to place these islands um, on coral anyway we we need deeper water and yes. and they they don't like very deep water but it can um, make sure that the lagoon heats up a bit less, yes. because uh, some of the light that would otherwise go into the water will be reflected.
1: Okay, so you can put some solar panels for example.
2: Yeah, and solar panels they, they absorb some of the light. Uh-huh. Um,
1: and also block the one that goes to the coast. Yeah,
2: yeah so the whole island oh, basically blocks the the light from going in and once it goes into the water a large part of the light stays in the water yeah. and eventually turns into heat. Yes, and that's what heating, what is heating up the the water. So,
1: well, and you can also take out some energy. Use it as an energy source, or you cannot use it as an yeah. Energy source.
2: So, so basically, if you use it uh, as electricity, you uh, take out some of the energy. But once you used it as electricity, it still goes back into the system. Into oh. um, so um Mm -hmm. the the biggest influence is actually that the water doesn't go um into like it it cannot reach the the um the corals the, the the water and that that we will be reflecting up like all the the parts of the island that you will see yes mean that there will be light reflected off of it otherwise you won't be able to see the (laughs) the island so so Uh all this light doesn't go into the water which helps to uh, yeah
1: um is this somehow connected to the ozone layer because when i was a girl yeah i remember that everybody mentioned the ozone layer and oh we need to protect the ozone layer and at some point i stopped Listening about the ozone layer, and I asked someone why, uh, and they told me it's because there's no ozone layer anymore.
2: Oh. Is there? Oh, there's definitely an ozone layer, and but uh, it was one of the first things like uh, twenty years ago, yes. or yeah, that that there was mentioned, like hey, there's a hole in the in the ozone yeah, layer. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And and it it actually there was in in some places, for example, Australia. There was um, a a hole in this ozone layer that uh, the ozone layer protects against UV yes. radiation, and if there's less of this ozone layer, then basically the UV can just go through, and uh-huh. people were were recommended to put on lots of uh, sunscreen yes. because you would would burn rapidly. Yeah.
1: Or, yeah. People in Argentina, for example, uh, get wrinkled quicker.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, in other yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah, so it's... it's. I haven't heard about it uh, really recently. I have I, seen it. Yeah. Ah, I but the ozone layer?
1: No, I have not seen no, it. No,
2: and I think it's connected to some other types of greenhouse gases, so not uh, CO2. And I think in the past decades, we managed to lower the emissions of these uh, types of... Uh, so I think the ozone layer problem didn't get much, much worse because of that. That's good.
1: Yeah. I hope the same happens with sea level rise. Yeah, but yeah as I say, hope
2: we can curb it in time. Curb to,
1: it in time. To, to make
2: sure that um, this country of the Netherlands is still here in the, the next hundred years or so.
1: And Kiribati,
2: yeah. you know, a lot of
1: violence in the Pacific. Yeah, for, yeah. In the whole archipelago in French Polynesia. So let me see if I got it right. So the Netherlands... It's a swamp
2: not anymore but it, yeah, it started as a like a yeah, big swamp okay. that was constantly flooding
1: yeah. why was it flooding because it's below sea yeah level?
2: yeah like half the country oh, is still I below uh, below sea so it was uh, yeah. like this yeah it's like like a like a like a plate a dish. drain like a dish okay. yeah, yeah
1: and then for people to live there own stable surfaces they built what did they
2: build yeah so um, th- well they they built houses like um, actually the the swamps were a resource yes. for um, stuff they they could use as fuel oh turf um, so they used turf actually to heat their houses oh. and to uh, for, for cooking and for so it was a huge resource that they could harvest but there were some uh, problems <laughs> with with water that that came in uh, every once in a while
1: because of the plate shape shape of
2: yeah the so yeah, yeah something that we actually made problems worse in in a <laughs> certain way like <laughs> we, we started building dikes uh-huh. and pumping all the water out uh-huh. um, and that Made sure that that the water didn't um, enter be- yes. because of the duck, but it also, if you pump out the water,
0: yeah.
2: it makes the ground dry, dry.
0: Yes. and
2: it can oxidate. Like there's a lot of organic material in the in the soil in the earth, and it actually oxidates, and um, the result is that the land was uh, subsiding oh so yeah in some places meters of of subsidence (laughs) so really yeah so actually the the land behind the dikes is sinking away oh so that only makes the challenges with uh, rising sea levels uh, worse
1: wow Uh, and wow so you mentioned also that Create that land reclamation in Dubai. What they did was to throw a lot of sand. Uh, did they never take into account that they're gonna kill the ecosystems who live there? That um, live there.
2: I don't. I don't know if they did. Because in, in many places you can make certain alterations. Yes. As long as you. Um, regenerate uh, the ecosystems even if it's in another place okay if you regenerate the ecosystems oh, yes. um, to sort of make up for the the losses
1: yes like when you plant trees yeah. after yeah
2: they they also transplant uh, okay. corals and uh, Oh, cool. yeah so th- that sometimes happens um, but i know for example there's a, a project in indonesia yes. a large reclamation project and there's uh, currently a, a big debate uh, in, yeah. in on a political level like whether land reclamation is the right um, solution because it it destroys so much of the ecosystems and yes. they they did more and more research and found out that the, the impacts uh, are are quite uh, cat- catastrophic uh, so definitely for the for the future I I think I see a huge potential for for floating structures especially if they don't produce any impacts but actually help to create more uh places for um more habitats for for species to to exp- expand basically like it's it's so funny that that um people humans they um they tend to look for places near water yes. because it's so productive yes. and, and it it's helpful to produce food and to yes. uh, uh, to do trade trading uh, yes. with with boats and uh-huh. uh, so actually most of the human population is, is living very close to the water. Okay. But but that's the same for uh, the ecosystems like um, s- uh, other species are also uh, much more attracted to the, to the coasts because in the, in the middle of the ocean, there's not <laughs> a lot of species that can survive there. there there's not much light. Yes. And um, the, so some deeper oceans, they are basically like a big desert.
1: Uh-huh. And,
2: and so it's all the species of, the, of this planet, including ourselves, actually make use of this small strip of coast to, to be productive.
1: And that is something that people don't usually know because when one pictures the ocean, when one thinks about the ocean, well, we think blue and a lot of animals.
2: There. Yeah, yeah.
1: But and it's not like that. No,
2: it's, it's only the first... Uh, kilometer or a couple of kilometers of oh, wow. of the of, from the shore into the water that is really productive yes. and then it, it becomes less and less and less until you reach the deepest parts of the oceans where in some places if there's some volcanic activity or something then there could be ecosystems okay. down yes. there even at thousands of meters depth but if there's no activity and no light and no resources it's impossible for <laughs> for any uh-huh. species to to survive there. Yes. So yeah, that that makes you wonder if uh, we we could actually with with floating structures we could expand coastlines yes. <laughs> and to to be productive for both uh, human activity and uh, ecosystem it's activity. It's yeah,
1: I like that a lot, and without yes, without harming and um, but a lot of people or a lot of the concerns or questions that there are around building floating houses or cities is that uh, they are going to be expensive
2: yeah yeah so um this this is a starting uh, technology of course so um still a lot of uh, things need to be uh, developed and and also, in terms of um, regulation, there are certain challenges because um, there, the on land we we have uh, had um, many years to to develop all the all the systems and and the regulations and yeah. and how to build it and how. But on water, it's it's in many respects it's it's a new way of building so (laughs) so people don't really know how to deal with with certain things we we noticed in one of our projects in rotterdam the floating Mm. pavilion yes that it was so valuable to do this together with the municipality yeah because for them it was also something new and and they also needed to find out how they can regulate this how they can make sure that that it's safe and how they can uh, yeah, d- uh, make a, um, uh, there's, on, on land you have plots, yeah. you have sub- subdivision, uh-huh. but in water it's, it's just, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no, enough there's yeah, there's water. Uh-huh, yeah. The water. Yeah, so, <laughs> but that means that it takes a bit more time and it takes a bit more uh resources and and to think about how how you're going to do this and and to develop new systems and also it doesn't make sense to connect all these structures to the land to get their uh, electricity and water and so you also want to uh, try and find new technologies to be more self-supporting and all this uh, makes the the projects more expensive at, at this time yes so and that's nothing um, strange like the first cars they they were very expensive yes. and only accessible to a couple of people that yep. had sufficient money to buy those first cars and all the other people were saying oh this is so dangerous, <laughs> and this is this is such a bad uh-huh. uh, <laughs> the technology and uh, but nowadays people uh-huh. rely on it yes. like, like it's it's a, a way of, of getting around and yes. uh, it also happened to uh, sell cell phones, mobile phones yes. more more recently uh, uh-huh. like the the last decades
1: yes when they used to come in a big suitcase yeah. they were used to be so expensive
2: <laughs> and yes, they so were
1: huge and didn't weren't so developed
2: yeah, so basically the only thing they could do was um call yeah. <laughs> call other people and okay. such a machine cost like uh, three three thousand dollars or four thousand dollars the uh-huh. first ones and, and uh they were still quite huge. And of course this this was only um for only for the the, the rich people could afford such a cell phone, especially yes. because it didn't add A lot of benefits the the benefits of these were were marginal so yes so you need people that that can afford the the risk like like it might not work as good as as uh, one of the models that we have today so they needed to be able to afford the risk that it didn't live up to to their expectations and but because these people Bought them, it became cheaper, and yes. th- and that's what we expect with with floating buildings that that once it's becoming more mainstream, that that it can be much cheaper because there's nothing in no technical reason why it would be more expensive than than building on on land.
1: Actually, the opposite perhaps because you wouldn't need to buy the well land has. Um, a very high value for example depending on who your neighbors are so this type of taxes wouldn't play a role if you build on the ocean for example
2: yeah yeah definitely so in terms of land uh, there's many places for example Singapore where where the land is so expensive like even more expensive than the house itself
1: Oh and, and I think
2: um, <coughs> wow in in places where there is li- little space for people to live uh-huh. and especially the more uh desired places right near the water mm-hmm. those are the expensive places and yes. and they can be much more expensive than the house itself so if we're looking at water there's not yet a a price for it so it it could um it could be much cheaper than on land or it might actually help the the community to get some additional uh, income if they sell parts of their water to wow. to people that want to live there so it it can actually generate new new money or it can be cheaper for the one that that buys it so um
1: that is so visionary <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> it's super visionary. It doesn't surprise me that you are from the Netherlands where the government actually sells plots of water.
2: Yeah, so uh, <laughs> yeah, we were uh, involved in one of the first projects in the Netherlands where they actually uh-huh. sold plots of water. Yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah,
2: and people uh, could, could buy it and actually it it wasn't without any any challenges because um the water board <laughs> <laughs> that that we mentioned earlier in this conversation like the, the the that regulates the water for hundreds of years now they they've been regulating it but they wanted to make sure that the water quality wouldn't be affected by these okay. by these houses so yes. we we actually had quite a tricky discussion like um no one really knew what the effects would be on on water quality, oh. so um, and that 's actually when we started to th- to think about this and we set up a, a huge research consortium with a lot of universities that yes. that took part of in this and to actually start measuring the water quality under floating structures
1: wow, and you have a few drones now, no
2: yeah, so this actually hey. um, um, became downs. became a new a new company in itself that is now doing underwater uh, measure measurements, um, moni- monitoring uh, <laughs> ecosystems visually, but also taking all the all the uh, chem- chemical constituents of of the water and to um, evaluate basically the water quality and and That's the effects. Awesome. Yeah, and actually they they did. Um, they investigated like hundred different spots in the Netherlands wow. underneath floating structures, like we have a lot of houseboats. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And um, and other um, other kinds of floating floating structures or platforms, and and they they measured underneath all them to yes. see if there's any any impacts. Uh, and what they found was was actually that in many places it it was um, the the underside of these platforms were actually transformed in a a new system a new ecosystem
1: really? i have yeah. seen that yeah so hey. th-
2: there's little shellfish uh-huh. that that attached to it yes and and they actually regulate the um, the turbidity of the water so they, oh, they really? can... yeah they, they, they Uh, basically suck in all the water get get the uh, particles out of it because there may be food in it and then release the water uh, with less particles and um, and they have problems uh, living in muddy areas and a lot of places in the Netherlands it's it's quite muddy and they have problems attaching Okay. But on these floating structures they oh, can easily a- a- attach. So I
1: understand. Yeah, it's
2: it's basically what's happening in in ships. Ships are uh-huh. constantly covered with these shellfish yes. and they're using all sorts of chemicals <laughs> to get rid of <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah. And we just leave them on there like like th- there's no risk for us. It can oh. deal with <laughs> yeah, some additional uh, it, mass. Yeah.
1: Some diving locations around the world on um, purposely sink ships and airplanes and and all sorts of things and what you see is that there's also a lot of little shells and new new life
2: yeah, is yeah. born
1: there. And also in French Polynesia where a project will be located uh, under the bungalows, in the foundations of the of the floating bungalows of the underwater overwater bungalows there's also corals and
2: all
1: the life is there so a lot of people snorkel yeah, underneath yeah. the bungalows yeah
2: even uh old oil rigs <laughs> yes. like in, the, in the in the seas the least attractive th- thing. Th- there's now some ecologists <laughs> that say like no you shouldn't get rid of them oh. just just leave them there they're, uh, cool. there's so much life attaching yeah. to it that is and that's Basically similar to the earlier claim that that not only humans but also um, other species are interested in where land and water uh,
0: oh. interact like
2: the the yeah the, the boundary, the, the fringes wow. of the of the land and water. So if you place new structures, um, wow. Yeah, close enough to the surface so that there's light. Uh-huh. Yeah, it it could become a new ecosystem, and and there's no reason wow. that it that it shouldn't. That so that's so what what the drones, uh, <laughs> the underwater drones, managed to to find out in the Netherlands that in wow. places it uh, it could help. Yeah. That's
1: amazing. You mentioned the role of water boards and also the the municipality working together with the municipality of municipality of Rotterdam. So what is the role that you see that local governance structures have for managing ecosystems? Because at the beginning of the conversation, you were saying that one of the things that you realize while working on water and in the relation between Netherlands and water is that uh, local decision-making between those of, uh have something to do is more fruitful than making decisions at a national level for example and then that's where that's the role of the water bodies in in, in regulating these uh, dikes
2: like the, the water boards they they basically confirm that that you have to work together with more people. To protect a certain area, okay, and that's actually what makes eventually the whole Netherlands having to work together to protect against the ocean. So there are certain national aspects that you need to do on a national level to be able to uh, deal with certain um, certain challenges or yeah. Imp-
1: um what's the story of the water boards in the Netherlands?
2: The, the story of the water boards? Yes. Is, well, uh, they're basically started when um, people found out that they cannot protect against the water by themselves, that, that you can build your own dike, but if it stops at your uh, property and the neighbors don't have anything <laughs> to put, then basically uh-huh. it doesn't work. So they, they soon found out that the whole communities needed uh-huh. to to talk about how to best protect the, the the land and and actually they they started a sort of democratic system, a, yes. a political system in which um, they could elect a certain person to represent a, a community and, and to make decisions when it comes to water protection. And um, actually these these um, water boards became really powerful. Like <laughs> if there was one guy that um, in, in his garden would get rid of the protection yes. that is f- valuable for the whole community. Yes. Then, then basically um, he was um going to be fined or even uh, cool. prisoned <laughs> to Ooh. yeah like uh, so th- yeah, yeah there were big consequences if if people didn't
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and what type of protection they could take
2: um against the water yeah. uh, well the most important one I guess is is to First to, uh, to block the water with a, with a dike or with a uh, levee, okay. um, but also they made whole systems for irrigation with windmills, that's, yeah. w- that's what we are famous for in the uh-huh. Netherlands, for all the windmills, yeah, that help, yeah, help the in, windmill. the, <laughs> in the system of, of getting the water in the right places okay. and making sure it doesn't go into the, the wrong places.
1: So these windmills are not for wind, no. they're for water.
2: Yeah, they are for wind. They use the power of the wind yes. to uh, transport water uh, upwards against okay. gravity. Yeah, to
1: irrigate. it. Yeah,
2: to to for irrigation or that or is. to make sure there's not too much water in 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 a low lying polder.
1: I understand. Yeah. There is a very similar case that I'm familiar um, familiarized with. It. Um, between hundreds and no more than 5,000, but a long time ago, 5,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, I should remember this, but I don't. There was a huge swamp in the middle of Colombia, Ah, somewhere in the north and between the, the middle and the north. Huge, huge, huge. And the indigenous who used to live there, communicated just like you are saying now with the water boards in the Netherlands so hey we all need to work collectively because this problem affects us all so they built these um, like little motus little mm-hmm. little yeah. bits of island um, uh, like they did like a grid and then the water flow because in this area, uh, this area suffers from periodic flows, floods. Yeah, yeah. So every eight months and every four months, water comes, water goes. So they needed to work collectively. And then now that there's a national government uh, imposing policies on, on this territory, now what used to be an advantage when indigenous were there, now when it's farmers acting individually and being uh, governed and led by the state, then there are huge problems because they just don't. Things don't don't fit together, ah, yeah. so now there uh, there are problems.
2: Ah, that's yeah. yeah, That's interesting. Yeah, it. I think it is quite important to organize uh, things that that are valuable for a community on on a on the right level of skill, yes, exactly. I think that's that's what, like we we've been seeing in the Netherlands that some decisions are being made on a too large uh, area and and basically we we had a we differentiated between a national yeah. government a um, municipality government but also a government in between for yes. for provinces yes and nowadays they they are losing their um yeah, their their power because it it for many things it just doesn't make sense to to make a decision on this this level of a of a province and
1: yeah, yeah exactly yeah so uh-huh.
2: so you see in in many places that, that the power is slowly coming back to to communities yes. and, and yeah and also
1: and cities s- and urban areas and
2: uh-huh. yeah and many small Countries are um, are are actually doing really good in terms of uh, uh, politics and also the support for uh, for for politics. Whereas many larger countries are are facing a lot of difficulties today, like yeah. uh, to to attract sufficient sufficient support from yeah, yeah b- people um, are still interested in um in in the topics that that politics uh deal with yes but they seem a bit fed up with uh <laughs> yeah <the> politics <laughs> yeah yeah the, the, so
1: they're interested yeah. in governance but not in politics
2: yeah yes yeah there's and i don't know where it's going to go but it's it's a it's a huge um uh challenge uh the yeah the last couple of of years, also in the Netherlands, there there have been um, uh, elections with with lower um, voter uh, turnout. And yeah, in,
1: in many places in the world, uh, pretty much everywhere uh, is decreasing.
2: Yeah, and and there's there's other things happening that that a certain person gets elected. Uh-huh but he actually has very little support from from yeah the population and i think that's that's also a challenge and and for example in the netherlands the the parties have become smaller and smaller like 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 every, for every little thing there's a a separate party uh-huh. and and people are voting for all these small parties and then when the vote is done they need to find a way to, okay. <laughs> to work together but in, in oh. many cases it's, it's very tricky to to yeah come up with That's one one solid strategy if you are if you need to cooperate with like um 10 different parties with their own um, yeah, yeah and if yeah. you
1: need to think about thousands and millions of people decisions become harder because not everybody wants the same things, and not everything affects people in the same way.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes. So, how do you see that systems um can play a role in that equation? Probably I already asked you that question, but in terms of governance and floating, why is it important?
2: Yeah. So. Um. What what is the 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 main problem is um. Is not that um, current uh, politics I- is trying to deal with these these issues, the the current challenges that we just uh, talked about. They they I think they are do- dealing with it and trying to come up with uh, with answers. But um, the thing with um, in many countries it, it takes a long time it takes a long time to implement new new options for example I think for many people education for, for their children it's, it's something that is really important like uh, you want to make sure that your child gets the best possible education yeah. and that it's still affordable and uh, but um, th- it it takes so long to apply certain yes. certain changes in such a system. So first they need to do research into the current problems. Yes. Then they need to make some uh, decision about it and then <laughs> the, the Senate needs to make a decision <laughs> on it and then Monster they need later. to implement it and mm-hmm. make a whole uh, system of how to implement this and then once it's implemented yeah, they need to do more research <laughs> and then yeah it, it can take decades yeah. to implement a single uh-huh. uh, and by the time it's implemented <laughs> it's already it's not an issue because the schools will have solved the issues themselves uh-huh. like they're not going to wait 20 years for and then Uh what they decided (laughs) is already old and it's no longer useful
1: exactly it's like regulations regarding homosexuality
2: yeah yeah
1: not because regulations say uh, it is legal or illegal it doesn't mean that it's not existing
2: yeah yeah it's uh, so um so backwards to wait for those to act yeah interesting to see if we can have some some places in the world where they are actually testing new new ideas and now there's no place in the world where something like that is is possible maybe some smaller countries like for example in in Singapore which is really small they yes. they have been developing new ideas and in education they, they've been developing for example a new system uh, of how to deal with mathematics and teaching teaching children about mathematics and um that's uh, that's just one uh, example of how smaller communities can be more more rapid to to test new ideas yes. and that's and I think a cstead could actually be a place where to to test these things and it's small enough that it doesn't pose any risk uh-huh. like if it doesn't work, you just get rid of it yeah, uh, yeah.
1: exactly, and at the same time you are not asking for Anybody's money because it's self-funded and those who buy into or who invest are like you as you were saying before Those who are in a position where they can risk more because they have more money. Yeah, yeah That is very interesting. So what's the policy that they are? Um, testing in terms of education in Singapore
2: the,
1: the In the maths.
2: The, yeah, yeah, so <laughs> uh, it's I know this because uh, my my girlfriend is involved with uh. Trying to see if we can actually implement this method also in the Netherlands okay. and also in in the US, it's been in, implemented. Uh, but it's interesting that this this uh, small community in in Singapore came up with a new method that uh, for for many children leads to far better results. Like they have been scoring in the in the top oh. three for the past. Uh, past five years or something in, in the, uh, the best mathematics uh, students. Oh.
0: So,
2: so that was one of the reasons for other countries to see if they can actually adopt this system. Oh, cool. And it's, it's such a good example yeah. of how a small community can actually create new Developments, new yes. new te- technology that can then be adopted by other countries yes. if it's if it's useful.
0: Yeah.
1: That's why it's Finland, for example, the country that is leading in terms of uh, the most advanced educational systems in the world because it, they are a country with like a few million people only, so they can they don't need to implement policies on a scale of hundred and fifty million people yeah, or yeah. sixty million people, forty million people. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it a lot much easier. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, you have mentioned uh, 12 at least in a document that I read that you wrote. You mentioned 12 documents, 12, sorry, 12 benefits of C-States. And I want to briefly mention some of those that you pointed out and yeah. you tell us something about it. Okay, yeah.
2: cool. Yeah.
1: Okay. So you mentioned business innovation in the place where C-States are located. So our case is French Polynesia.
2: Yeah. So what what I think is that um, the developing the technology for floating islands, I think that's one technology that is yeah. going yeah going <laughs> to be valuable oh, all yes. over the world. There's so many places that can use this, and if we manage to build this in in French Polynesia with all have. the local resources and and uh, the local companies that that can actually help yeah. us, uh, also to investigate the the area, the location, yes. and to to uh, use all their knowledge on on how to build in in their climate and and yes. with the given winds and and sun and and the rain, rain, mm-hmm. yeah. So that would be really helpful, and I think it could actually start a new uh, industry. Uh, and not only to build floating structures, but also all the other aspects that, that we will uh, want to try on, the, on these islands. For example, it would make a lot of sense to become more self-supporting yes. and to test new, new systems of um, creating drinking water and energy. And, and I think this will also be a huge uh, stimulus to, to develop new technologies. Yes. which which can benefit uh, yeah the the, yes. the the country to deliver these services.
1: And the world, because if you speak about renewable energies, so if you speak about a self-sufficient system, then you're talking about renewable energies, uh, desalinization, and where don't you need desalinization? Yeah, it's yeah. it, it said that in the future water is going to be the gold, so water of lakes, Sweet water, sweet water, and we are on a scarcity slope.
2: Definitely, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it does make a lot of sense to start um, developing this technology now because we Thanks. can already foresee that uh, the, the challenges will get bigger in terms of fresh water. So, this will Oops. also be a, a technology that is very useful all over the world, and there are already many technologies technologies to make drinking water from from seawater yes but they're not very efficient they use so much resources to to oh. so this is definitely um, something that needs to be further developed and and what better place than than a floating island that that is aspiring to become more independent in terms of uh, energy and water.
1: Yes, Uh, speaking of energy and water, uh, I know that you had your hands on the energy and water end of the year report of Blue Frontiers. So for those who don't know, Blue Frontiers from May to the end of December 2017 had some working groups where around 70 volunteers gathered together to discuss self-sufficient aspect aspects of self-sufficiency on sea states information and communication technologies whether to connect to the grid or not etc and you are the well you're part of blue one who are the a firm that is in charge of the architecture and design and this also includes energy and water systems and there was like a two weeks conversation on toilets
2: yeah. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very uh, important, yes. but it shows how we are currently investigating all the different, uh, uh, yeah, yeah the, uh, options that we that we need. And uh, toilets are actually very important because, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a funny topic, but yeah. we, because um, <laughs> yeah. the biggest challenge is not to um, to get enough water the for the island because there's so much rain there's so much water we, we will do fine with all the natural resources that are available we don't need any additional resources from the land but the the main challenge is how to make sure that we are not making this water too dirty yes to send it out out of the island
1: like boats do yeah you know, that boats,
2: boats basically use things. the water and then dispose yeah. of it and fortunately in many places you cannot dump it but it still happens in many yeah. places and um, but what we want to do is because we we need to make sure that the ecosystem is um, that it remains healthy and these ecosystems are oligotrophic, which means that they cannot handle additional nutrients. Okay. So we need to make sure to come up with systems that are not um, losing any nutrients into the uh, into the water. Okay. And one of the the most important thing to focus on in terms of nutrients is toilets, because people eat. Uh, stuff food Um, and there's a lot of nutrients in it but the nutrients don't stay in your body forever they will come out so as much nutrients as you take in are also going to come out eventually so we need to make sure to contain those nutrients so we're now focusing on on Technologies that that make this happen. So, also, for example, dry toilets or
1: dry toilets
2: or closed loop system what,
1: toilets. What are dry toilets?
2: So, dry toilets they um, they don't use any water to um, to flush and to uh, to um, transport. Uh, yeah. What goes in the toilet? <laughs> so, basically, water is just used. For transportation, right? It doesn't oh, yes. add anything. Oh yes, yes, yes. So yeah, when you
1: flush, yes, where yeah. is a transport.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's it's actually quite uh, yeah a strange strange way of transporting <laughs> it if you think about it. So a dry toilet uses uh, no water or uh, far less water. Also, some systems they have like a a foam a phone that you can use to sort of lubricate the the toilet to make sure nothing sticks to it and that it's completely clean so
1: it just goes down
2: yeah wow so we are assessing technologies like this to see if if we can uh, we can solve the the nutrient issue and and to make sure that um, yeah this this is the most sustainable uh Island that has ever been uh, yes. been built
1: yeah um closed loop system toilet also sounds very sustainable,
2: yeah yeah, so basically you use the same water again and again to transport uh yeah oh, wow. and you just treat it in between oh, enough wow. so that it doesn't make people sick or that you don't have any funny smells yeah. so you just treat this this water but keep looping it wow. to transport
0: yeah
1: and can you use what you manage to capture to make bio
2: uh, yeah so the nutrients are actually a, a val- uh, valuable resource like the the it is basically fertilizer
1: exactly yeah
2: and wow. and we've been mining fertilizer now for
1: mining fertilizer
2: for uh, <laughs> and yeah so
1: since domestic age for like a hundred thousand years
2: yeah a long perhaps maybe not a hundred thousand years it, it became 10, like years. in, in the 10, past hundred years oh. we've been very um, how do you say uh, using it to a very very large extent and and we've been mining so much phosphate and and creating um, nutrients uh, by actually we it is extracted also from the air then the nitrogen which is used at, as fertilizer but it takes so okay. much energy to make this artificial fertilizer so to either to mine it or to take it from the air consumes lots of, of energy and yes. it also produces um, CO2 because of this. So we are flushing down all the fertilizer to the, to the sea. And then mining new fertilizer oh, to, to substitute the
1: that's not very clear no, so we
2: are not very clever in this respect and, and we need to come up with better ways of of actually reusing these these nutrients and and because it it leads not only in in the ecosystem that that we are looking at in french polynesia but but also in many other places it creates a lot of Problems if you just dump these nutrients into the water. Yeah. And and we we do have uh, wastewater treatment facilities, but they don't get all the nutrients out. It's quite tricky to get. Uh, oh, okay. So they they get rid of the the solids and and get rid of uh, the some of the chemicals and but a lot of nutrients are still flushed
1: wow. away. So sea states and floating infrastructure are placed to develop technologies related to more sustainable future habitats, Uh, also uh, testing new forms of societies, improving the service of governance.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and and also improving utility, basic utility services and, and coming up with new technology. Like in the Netherlands, it's not even possible to test some of these concepts. Because you automatically buy into the the public system, so you you need to buy into the the waste disposal system and into the water uh, drinking water system and into the wastewater system, and you you pay the the government or the municipality to to deliver these services. So yes. there is no way to to escape from this system no without paying a lot of additional money not only to the government for the services that you don't receive and, <laughs> and then for the, the additional systems that are still quite uh, advanced and uh, so in terms of regulation it it would also be valuable to have this island that is allowed yeah. to test these new technologies without Um, automatically having to buy into existing systems that that would uh, only uh, put a break on on the innovation. Yeah. Yeah.
1: One question that people ask a lot, and I think you're the right person to answer it, is how about tsunamis?
2: Tsunamis? Yeah,
1: tsunamis.
2: Yeah, it's it's actually a... um, uh, a topic that we've been thinking about a lot for floating structures in general and the, the good news is that um, tsunamis do not pose a big risk for floating cities in the in the ocean
1: okay. because in
2: the ocean it, it usually starts off as a very small wave
1: small wave? Okay. Well, very long <laughs> yeah. but
2: very small in height so it's okay. only like like maybe 30 centimeters or 50 centimeters That's nothing. No, there's nothing but the, the problem with the tsunami is that the length can be uh, many kilometers, okay. so it's a huge wave length oh. and that's a problem because once this uh, wave goes towards the coast yes. The it The front end of the wave is slowed down. Yes. And the end of the wave is catching up with the front of the wave. So this this water volume uh, needs to go somewhere, and therefore it it rises up. So as it approaches the coast, it becomes higher and higher and higher. And in the last couple of meters near the coast, it can be 10 to 20 meters high.
1: Wow. Okay. But it's not a super huge wave of 50 meters that comes from like the movies. No, no like in the <laughs> deep like in there, the there's movies. hardly
2: any any uh, Okay, yeah. so
1: you wouldn't even feel a tsunami if no. you are not assisted in the middle of the ocean. Yeah,
2: so there's no no uh, challenge there so it does That's also create a um a flow which you need to deal with so there's some extra uh forces on the moorings to deal with the the flow but you can design for this. But in terms of the wave there's actually uh very okay. little uh, uh, impact, so and we, we are also looking now at coastal locations that are um, prone to tsunamis to see how close to the to the shore you could still wow. be safer on a on a uh, floating platform than on wow, on the land. Yeah. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. So, for example, Japan that has very high risks.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you would be safer unassisted by the coast of Japan than on the coast of Japan, the continent, the the island itself.
2: I think um, it 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 will differ from location to location. Yes. But I definitely uh, think that there's a lot of potential for floating wow. structures to to survive these these uh, tsunamis, and the wow. only problem is that it doesn't provide direct um, benefits for the land like you you could be safe on a floating mm-hmm. islands but that doesn't keep okay. the land safe so you could save the lives yeah but
1: not the material stuff
2: yeah
1: okay oh that's better no. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: yeah. yeah maybe for critical for some critical wow. functions or critical infrastructures it, it could well be a, a good uh, option to have this on a on a floating platform rather than exactly on the coast where it could be hit yeah
1: that's so interesting that is so so interesting
2: actually we've we've also been looking at um footage from tsunamis wow and there's some footage where you see floating objects yes and a lot of footage where you see um Uh, infrastructure on land like or houses or buildings and actually the floating structures and and ships many of them survived the the impact of the The tsunami yeah so there's footage available which shows that, that even smaller ships Have have uh, survived the the tsunami wave. Wow. So it it definitely is something to further study and investigate. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Hmm.
1: I absolutely love this part. And I want to close with a very special question. Oh Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) so you mentioned that oceans in the middle of the oceans of the ocean. It's desertic. It's like a big desert, pretty much, right? Yeah. So I heard that your company Blue One is also looking into creating a sea in space. A
2: sea in space.
1: (laughs) Space at sea.
2: Space at sea. Yeah.
1: So you are looking into space at sea, no? Sea in space. (laughs) Oh, Ah,
2: yeah, yeah yeah so so yeah we we are actually
1: um on floating solar panels
2: yeah we we are not only designing structures but we are actually <laughs> investigating all the the technical aspects of this and one part of this is uh we're, we're doing this together with a research consortium in which we are actually testing floating platforms in the open ocean and, wow. and to see if they can deal with the waves that that you can expect uh, and uh, in some places waves can be over 10 meter high and we need to find out what is what is uh, how far we can go with yes. with <coughs> this this technology and we also um, um, do this together with uh, Marin a, a testing facility where they generate waves in a huge uh, wave basin.
1: I saw a video.
2: Yeah, it's a
1: huge <coughs> pool.
2: Yeah, it's so yeah. basically a, a large swimming pool <laughs> with with a wave uh, nice. function, but uh, and yeah. some
1: platforms. I saw some platforms. Yeah,
2: so so we're we're testing different configurations and connections and finding out what kind of forces there will be and what kind of uh, uh, cool. yeah, solutions we can think of for the connections and. Yeah, so th- that's really interesting, and yes, I think right, that's yes. the next step. The, the 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 current project of Blue Frontiers is is the first step yes. to get further in in this in this um, technology. But I think the future is if if we could be able to to make new new communities that could also live on the coast. Yes. Near current cities, or, yes. or perhaps even on on the open ocean, it would be, yeah, a huge uh, potential for I uh, yeah. I agree.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm so looking forward to it. What is your message for future generations regarding?
2: Um, my message is that there is a lot of. Uh, mixed information where what will be the main challenges for the future okay whether it be uh, water uh, drinking water or sea level rise or climate change and what will be the effects of this whether whether we bring more rain or more um, cyclones or or whether the sea level rise itself may affect the coast and but one thing is sure it things are changing and, and we need to be able to adapt to those changes and I think the risk is high enough to to already start developing the technology that could be useful for this. Yes. And and even if there's no risk I think having the technology to be able to live on the on the oceans without Having any impact on on the ecosystem is going to be valuable yes. for, for for our planet like we are living on this planet with more and more people um, and yeah. all over the world people are are slowly um, getting getting more more prosperous and yes. being able to uh, yeah. To, to survive and and being able to um, have have a, a better better life so using more energy and they are using more energy yeah. and they need more food and they need yeah. so we need to come up with solutions for, for how to to live on this planet in in the future and to make sure yes. that everyone is happy because otherwise yes. it's 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 going to um, yeah, c- come back as a boomerang. If 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 some people are left out of this equation, it will eventually come back to us, and, and so we need to, yeah, do this together. That's that's my message.
1: Yeah, I, I like your message, especially uh, is as you say we are using two and a half planets. Yeah, you know, in uh, more than in,
2: in terms of resources, yeah. we are already using more than than our planet, so we need to cut down, we need to make sure that we become much more efficient, but also I think we need to make more efficient use of of the resources that are there yes. on, on this planet, yeah.
1: Because we don't even use the energy of the whole star we have,
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: we are using fossil fuels.
2: We are using, we are not, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are using something else, we uh-huh. use... The energy that has been stored (laughs) by plants Uh over millions and millions of years Uh so they 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 took (laughs) so much uh, time Uh to carefully put all the um, the the carbon into the into the earth basically and now in in a couple of centuries we managed to extract
0: yeah. most
2: of it or a large part of it and to just burn it up <laughs> and ma- basically undo the work that all these plants have been doing for the past wow. mi- yeah, millennia.
1: That's crazy.
2: Yeah, so we need to come up with um, new ideas.
1: I like that. Yeah. Let's leave that on the closing note.
2: Yeah.
1: New ideas. Thank you very much, Bart, for having me here. You're welcome. Uh, for it was a pleasure. The, oh, the pleasure is mine. And Blue Frontiers is super excited of working with Blue 21 and having Blue 21 being part of Blue Frontiers because, and I've seen this firsthand, there is a very deep concern and a lot of work going into how to make uh, systems and floating islands and floating infrastructure not only sustainable but actually restorative. Thank you. You're welcome.
0: Look- Thanks for joining us on the Blue Frontiers podcast. To learn more about our work and find out how you can support the project, visit blue-frontiers.com or visit our social channels. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Blue Frontiers, or shoot us a note via our website. If you learned something and enjoyed the show, tell a friend or leave us a positive review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our show and remember to join us for the next episode. See you next time.